This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Wow. Well, this week on the podcast, we have a chat with Lauren Huff, whose new book, Leaving Isn't the Hardest Thing, is uh, pretty great. Pretty great. Lauren's also uh, been in some Twitter feuds lately, and and we do talk about that a little bit on the podcast. Um, But I also want to mention very exciting news. Cami's book club. You can go to bookshop.org. You can search Cami's book club under shops. And you can buy, pre-order, One Last Stop, which is the first book that is a part of my new book club that I'm starting. On June 4th, I will have a chat with the author, Casey McQuiston, who also wrote Red, White, and Royal Blue on my Instagram Live. That's at noon. But you can read along with me. Um, I loved One Last Stop. I actually blurbed it. Um, it is a love story. It involves some time travel. It's very good and very fun and very romantic. So Cammy's book club is the new thing. We are going to be reading books together. I love to read books. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still have guests i think we should, let's just start i always have guests introduce themselves <laughs> will you introduce yourself introduce see that saves you from mispronouncing the name um i'm lauren huff uh, i'm a writer uh, i did I know it was book. huff i have looked at your twitter <laughs> bio it's in there it uh, is you'd be surprised how many people miss it no matter where you put it though so sure absolutely carmen my entire life that's not even the same name but that absolutely is something that people yeah. hey people Why bring not? whatever you know um <laughs> but you're lauren huff i missed the rest of the intro because i was just focused <sighs> on how i knew how to pronounce your last name i was very pr- proud of myself oh it wasn't a very eloquent intro um i don't know how to introduce myself i'm, I'm a writer who wrote a book i guess it's probably what writers do see i'm fucking great at this job but see, this um, is interesting because <laughs> you know I, I i mean that's sort of one thing that your book is about is, um, I guess maybe a not a ha- not having a fixed identity, um, you know, because you've had a ton of jobs that are outside of the writing world. It's not like you were a person who went to undergrad and wrote, and then you know wrote for the rest of your life and never did anything else. You've had a lot of different things that you've done. Yeah, I think that's probably why it's so hard to say I'm a writer. Um, I think I was a bouncer up until last year. Um, I was a cable guy before that. I and still, it's um, yeah. I still get on Twitter. Oh, you're the cable guy. So um, yeah, it's it's a strange feeling to suddenly have a book out and have this expectation that I'll be any less of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I get a lot of you have a responsibility to if people follow you on Twitter or read your book. They they think they own a little part of you and can tell you what to say or not to say. It gets a little interesting. And they're uh, really right. surprised when you're not exactly who they expected you to be. So, yeah, I mean, I I did see that you have had an interesting experience on the internet of late um, as your book was coming out. Um, Jesus. You were talking about some Goodreads reviews, Goodreads for anybody that's listening. It's like a, it's a book review website, but it's not, it's not um, professional reviewers. It's like community reviews. And you had tweeted about this. And anyway, this is all just to say, um, I did see that you had some back and forth with some different Twitter folks. And uh, I was actually thinking about how, you know, I have had a job that intersected with being in the public eye and like hearing feedback from people outside my immediate circle for a really long time, 
like I've, I've always had a, I've always been a person, but then there's been like something people can comment on or respond to for, for a long time. Um, and I was thinking that that's probably very new for you. You know, the idea that like you're a bouncer last year and then now you're a person who writes something people can respond to comment on, um, which I think can sometimes be a little bit dehumanizing, um, the just hearing from people what they think about work that you've made. Um, do you want to <laughs> respond to any yeah. of that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a strange thing. I, I'm not used to, I mean, there, there's the problem where, and I grew up being told what I could and couldn't say very, very explicitly. Um, like a typical punishment when I was a kid was they would put us on silence restriction and we weren't allowed to talk. So being able to say what I want is is a huge freedom for me. But yeah, there is, I think, some responsibility there. And also, it's just scary that what I say can have actual consequences to the book. Like, I don't want my weird fuck up on Twitter to damage my life's work it's yeah I, I don't really know what to do with that yet i don't know what to do with a lot of this yet i i get a lot of uh i get a lot of email that is people are pouring out their souls and like telling me their traumas and i don't have anywhere to put that at. so i i can't respond to it all and i kind of hope maybe it was enough for them to just write it down i don't know yeah i mean i i know i do know what you mean actually um yeah i've had that experience before myself um well i want to talk about the book and you know you you just referenced when you were growing up that a punishment would be that you were put on silence restriction so for anybody that hasn't read it they might not know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) um so uh can you say just a little bit about, you know, how you grew up, the situation in which you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in in a cult. Um, probably we used to be the famous sex cult, and then Nexium came along and started branding people. But uh, I grew up in a cult called the Children of God. We lived in communes um, with anywhere from a couple families to several hundred people, and all over the world. Um, and it's uh, it wasn't a really friendly place for a kid to be. I don't know that any cult is, but your parents join it for whatever reason. People join things. They're searching for something, and somewhere along the way it gets lost that yeah, your kids are growing up in this too. Yeah, you know, there was, there's a, oh boy, did I not, did I not mark it? There's a part of the, of your book <laughs> that I tried to read aloud to my uh partner, but she was just she's she just wasn't in the mood to be read aloud to. But you know, I was like I was like, Katie <laughs> Katie <laughs> I gotta read this to you. Um oh I did. I underlined it. Look, look at this. See it? Underlined. Holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Um it's uh it's in the first, it's in the first essay and it's, and it's after you're talking about being raised in the children of God. And then you're talking about joining the air force. Um, and you said, I thought I'd find something in the military. I'd wear the same uniform as everybody else. They'd have to accept me because I was one of them. I'd find what every book I read, every movie I watched told me I'd find friends and maybe even a sort of family, a place where I belonged. And I was like, yes, I get it. Because, you know, for me, I think, um, you know, I was raised like, I was raised in a very conservative version of Catholicism where like I didn't have contact with people who weren't Catholic and where there was a set of pretty strict rules around sexuality, even for straight folks, even for cis folks, you know. Um, And when that no longer worked for me, then I became a stand-up comic, which also actually has a the stand-up comedy world actually has a pretty strict set of rules for behavior and um, 
for hierarchy and for success. It's just not, it's not at all a similar set of rules. Like in, you know, the Catholic church, it's like never have sex at all in stand-up comedy. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like absolutely have sex, be shitty about it. You know, it's like, it's also like <laughs> never take a night off. Like if you take a night off, you're weak, you know, uh, don't take anything personally, you know, show up and do the the gig no matter what. You're sick. Who cares? You're like sexually harassed. Who cares? You know, you're here and um, you have to do it and you have to make the other comics laugh. And I think that for me, you know, somebody who grew up in a place where like I was trying to earn love in the Catholic Church, you're like trying to earn salvation after death. That's like the whole point of life is yeah. to earn salvation. And then I was like, well, fuck that. That's not the, that's, <laughs> fuck that noise. And then I joined another group where the whole point of it is, you know, success and essentially salvation, a different kind of salvation, you know, like to be a famous, successful comic. But I think when I was yeah. reading what you said, I was like, oh, I kind of did that too. You know, I really related to the idea of like, okay, well, I don't agree with that set of norms, but I still am somebody who is drawn to a set of norms and who wants to feel like they're part of a team because of that high pressure situation from my youth. So, um, Anyway, I hadn't really heard anybody say that before. Uh, yeah. And I think it's part of human nature in a way, too. We, we started off as hunter-gatherers, and you had to join a group if you were going to survive the woolly mammoths coming after you. But uh, I think in a way, I, I definitely used groups to define me. I didn't know who the fuck I was if I wasn't part of a group. Um, I got out of the cult, and I never felt a part of that. But I desperately wanted any sort of group as an identity. So, yeah, I, I'm an airman. That was an easy one. I can be an airman. Awesome. I don't think that we've. No, we definitely haven't. I don't I, don't, I haven't had anybody um, on the podcast who was. Discharged under don't ask, don't tell. Um, can you talk really? a little bit about that? Yeah, it's I. Yeah, I just haven't yet. Um, but obviously, that's a huge part of our um history as square folks yeah it was a fucked up thing i don't think most of us who joined the military really understood the rule um i know people outside the military didn't because i would tell them i got discharged under don't ask don't tell and they assumed i'd like thrown a gay pride parade on base but what it meant was if they found out you were gay you must have told so there were there were large witch hunts in Hawaii, someone got turned in by his ex, and they went through his email, his phone, everything, and investigated everybody else who might be queer. Um, I was, if you reported harassment, why were you being harassed? Well, you must be gay. You got kicked out. So, yeah, it was a, it was a terrifying time to be gay. Most people got turned in that I know of got turned in by exes. It was an easy way to hurt someone. Um, you had an argument with a friend, roommate owed you money. You just never really knew how to trust. So it was extremely isolating. Yeah, that sounds terrible. That just sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I mean, especially yeah. because the whole, right, the whole point, uh, or at least like, you know, I've, I've never served. Um, but I know that from the outside, the thing that we're sold is that like, yeah, this is the ultimate team. Like the whole point is to watch each other's backs. So to be in that environment, especially, and not have that feeling, you know, like when, when maybe that is what some other, I don't know, but I, when it, yeah. it feels like it's like maybe other people are having an experience of brotherhood or whatever. And so within that, it does sound very isolating to be in a special circumstance where you can't have that. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's very isolating. It's also, I mean, I don't know anybody who joined the military for patriotism or to serve their country. That might have been part of it, but most of us were just trying to go to college. Right. That's what we were sold in all those commercials. This is the way to see the world. We'll pay for your college. This is how you'll get ahead. So if you didn't get a scholarship or figure out how to go to college, and it's not like we had Google, especially back then, um, you joined the military. And... Yeah, if they're going to throw you out early and a lot of people lose benefits over it, that's, uh, you don't really know how exactly you're supposed to get a leg up if you're 
it makes you terrified to get kicked out. You're desperately clinging on to that because that was your one plan for the future. Or it was mine. That was it. Yeah. I didn't have a backup plan. Right. Because um, another thing I didn't really know, I mean, again, I just think we like haven't talked about this yet. And it's like so recent and so swept under the rug. But I didn't realize that you are then followed by discharge papers. Like if you're applying for a job, you wrote about that if you're applying for a job, it says. Yeah, it says homosexual admission on my discharge yes. papers. So, yeah, when you're applying for a job, what's your job experience? It's the military. They're going to want to see your DD-214 because it's like your a history of everything you've done, everything you've learned, all your schools you went to, all of it. And then at the bottom, it just announces, also, by the way, you're a faggot. So that's not exactly helpful when you're trying to get a job. A lot of people, too, I got an honorable discharge. There was a group at the time, Service Members Legal Defense Network, that defended gays in the military. Um, and they helped me with my how to tell the commander I came out because acts of homosexuality were still a problem. Um, so that would have been like a dishonorable discharge. Yeah, if, that, if it was for, for acts, you could you could also you could actually go to jail for homosexual acts. Um, so you had to say you were gay and not fall into the trap of well prove it, which is a thing they would do. They didn't try it with me, but um, wow. Yeah, so I got an honorable discharge. I was able to keep my benefits, like being able to go to the VA. That's what I was going to ask, because, yeah, because you do, you later in the book, you talk about using VA services. So, yes, so yeah. that's why you have the VA benefits is because you had an honorable discharge, because you yes happened to speak to somebody who told you how to do that. Yeah, I like, had those things to. Not like yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was my first sergeant left a phone number on his desk and said, I'm going to walk out of the room. There's a phone number on my desk. Oh, my God. Um, wow. And gave me the phone, gave me their phone number. So, yeah, it was all very. I, I don't know if he was gay. I don't know why he did it I, other than to try to help me. But he he knew who to call. So and that's how I got that wow. number. So then you just yeah. called. It's a. Is it, a group of, is it a group of service members or is it like out? It's a group of lawyers. Civilians. Yeah, it's a group of civilian lawyers. A guy named Dixon Osborne um, started it. And it was just a foundation that all they did was lobby for and help gay or queer service members. Wow. Because yeah, they, they did everything. They went up. I think they got absorbed by OutServe. I'm not sure how that worked, but yeah. Wow. And so they told you what? The exact process. Yeah. It was how to write, I am gay, please discharge me, nothing else. Don't answer any questions. Call us if they ask you any questions. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you did you know people who were dishonorably discharged? I didn't. Um I'd heard the stories. There were you never know what are rumors and what are true. Um yeah, I'd heard stories of it. I'd read a couple news reports, but I wasn't really up to date on it. It's not even something you could look up on your work computer. And right, right. So, right, yeah, and they could right. go through your computer. So, wow. yeah, I, I, I didn't know much about it. It's definitely not a question you want to run around asking if you're already trying to hide that you're gay. Holy shit, Lauren. I just, <laughs> you know, I just, I think this, again, I just think this has really been swept under the rug. Well, I guess the other thing I don't know is, like, what was the vibe at the time in terms of, um, was there, did you get the feeling that there were other service members who were closeted or who were, like, not telling? Or oh, did, yeah. Or was it, the... I, like, what was the, like, what, what was the, <laughs> what are, like, the numbers or in, this... in your just personal <laughs> experience? This was the problem with Don't Ask, Don't Tell is, yeah, you would do the dyke nod at the PX if you saw another one of you, but you never like be seen speaking to one another in public. Right. Um, and yeah, I had I had friends who were gay. Um, as soon as I got in trouble, they had to distance themselves because in case they got in, they got investigated, too. Um, yeah, people generally we were. We were all raised on MTV. Nobody gave a shit about who was queer or who wasn't until they did. But a lot of it was that, 
You know, that 19 year old guy version of, oh, I don't mind lesbians. I mean, they're hot. That type <laughs> of acceptance, which is not really the same thing as acceptance. Um, yeah, it was, it was very uncool to, to be a bigot, but there were still plenty of bigots. Around. Oh, that's, that's interesting to hear that it was uncool. I mean, I guess I just also, I would imagine that there would be like a high percentage of lesbians <laughs> yes <laughs> um yes. because that just <laughs> jives love with a uniform every yeah that just jives <laughs> with everything i know about myself and others um <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are a lot of us and we all knew who everyone else was but it was just and then, of course, there's the lesbian drama between factions of lesbians that always happens. But oh my yeah, god, what are do... the military factions of lesbians? Because like the <laughs> non-military, it's like ponytail lesbians, haircut lesbians. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of lesbians. What are the, what's yeah. the what are the and military there, factions? And then there are lesbians who end up with like the lesbian goes and through some shit haircut that I have now that are like way <laughs> too risky to be around. So. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that's obviously a lesbian. But yeah, you never. It's the same factions you have out here. But yes, I think there are probably an inordinate number of lesbians on base. Wow. On any base, yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> this is what you expected to be talking about today. Lesbians no, it's exactly what I expected to be talking. This is this is why awesome. I said let's talk. This is exactly <laughs> what I expected to be talking about. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! So again, because of how you were raised, um, you like grew up all over the place, um, yeah. including in countries besides the U.S. Um, and then you were in the military and discharged. And can you talk me through what happened next? Um, I flipped a coin with, I had a friend, Jay, um, who was getting kicked out of the military shortly after me. He got a couple death threats and just didn't even wait. My car got torched. He didn't want to lose his truck. So he walked into the commander's office, outed himself. I, I, yeah. do want to just make that point for any listeners that, like, yeah, you were, um, har like, harassed, I mean, and threatened. That's why uh, you made the decision yeah. to leave, um, which was tough to read about you know sorry that happened to you yeah a long time ago but yeah it was it was messed up um and yeah we didn't again i didn't have a backup plan after the military so he wanted to go to atlanta i wanted to not be in the south anymore um so we flipped a coin and chose dc it was wherever we could get on a tank of gas without i mean we were donating blood plasma to to buy food. So we had, we had nothing left. Um, yeah, we moved up to DC and we lived in our cars for a little while until we got a job at a gay bar. So it was, <laughs> we had this very naive kind of sweet belief that the gays would take us in and help us. <laughs> um, which eh, a little bit, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't know where else to be. And it was the perfect place to be at the time. I was talking to my boss, the, the guy who was my boss at the club the other day. And it was, I found him at exactly the right time. I needed like that big brother character who would look out for me. I needed to feel a little bit safe somewhere. And I did in a club. It also is so, <laughs> we are really, <laughs> we are really different sizes. <laughs> That is something that uh, you talk about a bunch, and 
in the book in term, when you're talking about being a bouncer that you're six feet tall i'm um i'm a very statuesque five four um so it doesn't matter what haircut i have nobody's <laughs> ever i've nobody would ever hire me to be a bouncer although i can be very intimidating <laughs> And you punch somebody. Uh, um, I I was you. You think I would be surprised? You think I could be bouncer? I've, yeah, no. I I I know as a as a former bouncer, you were probably the last person I would want to throw out of the club. That's um, true. Y'all scrap fight. Scrap. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a reason you survived this long, and it is not by being <laughs> demutative. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah. You know what, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I feel I'm going to take that into the rest of my day. I can't wait to tell everybody I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting thrown out. Very scrappy. Identifiable. Scrappy. Identifiable yes. by bouncers. Identifiable um, by bouncers is just, <laughs> should call someone else to help with this one. It's going to get ugly. <laughs> yeah. But that is something that I was thinking about because the club that you worked at was a gay club, but but it's like mostly cisgender dudes, right? In terms of the population that was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was definitely the the circuit queen group, the Abercrombie Warriors. Yes. And that that maybe it's just when when I was thinking about that group specifically, like I don't think <laughs> that group of people is scared of me. Like that of all the people like I would put straight men, like, yes, like, for different reasons. But, like, the men that you're talking about, like, uh, that is actually a group of people just in general that, like, I haven't spent a lot of my life around. You know, when I was, like, really young and living in Chicago, I would go to Boys Town to do shows or to go out occasionally. And Boys Town is, like, that type of person is there there's, there's like full of that person bu bubbles yeah. are in the air and um <laughs> and like surging music and i certainly um went to those places and have friends or people that i knew that were in that group of people but like it's not where i spent my queer nights out um and i was just sort of wondering if like you felt accepted into that group of people because i always really haven't i have really felt like that type of gay man has like no use for me like i just have felt like none that it's like it is truly like it's not even that i'm not interested that way because hey i was still cultured female so i still am like a man <laughs> i should pay attention <laughs> to you and serve you in some way but i just the vibe back has always been like Go home, sweetie. You know, like that has really <laughs> been what I felt. I was, yeah. I missed out on the high school girl meanness um, by skipping high school for the most part. <laughs> um, and then when I did go, I was just invisible. Like my teacher signed my yearbook. I got it all oh, um, yeah. from the queer men. And yeah, as I got as someone who desperately wants to be liked, it's not. It's not a happy place to be. They have. Yeah, they have no use for us at all. Um, that was your they experience, make that too. Very, yeah, they make that very, very, very clear. Um, it was funny when we were watching the, uh, if you're going through, I forgot, I forgot the Instagram account, but someone was doing the Circuit Queens breaking um, COVID restrictions. And there was always like a huge group of Circuit Queens, like one girl. She's the one allowed to party with them. Yeah, she does um, not look like me. No, that, at no. least in my experience, I've never, I've never seen that group of people. But yeah, they no, they don't, they don't like us very much at okay. all. <laughs> well, thank it's, you for just affirming beautiful. that. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I, I think I was uh, felt like oh, they're intimidating as fuck, and yeah, yeah, they're, scary. They're a little mean. So, <laughs> <laughs> but when those are your coworkers and the folks that you're bouncing, did you feel? A little more taken in or no not as they, really. as they definitely weren't my coworkers. my coworkers were like queer street trash like me we were got it yeah all of us um and scrawny little dudes mostly um yeah they but they were the i mean it didn't you always hate them whenever you work in a service facing job or a customer facing job and they were a very easy them to hate um, because yeah, they, 
they made sure you felt like the help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's sort of an experience that you've had. Again, just like to circle back to what we were talking about when we started, it's because then you went on to be a cable guy. The experience of, I mean, I guess a bouncer, like, would you consider that blue collar work? I don't know. I know it's like not something we usually call blue collar work, but it, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's working class work. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, I've mostly had those sort of jobs. I mean, that's what I was set up for. I, I don't have an education. So those are the jobs you're traditionally going to work. Um, any construction, labor, kitchen, those are the havens for those of us who didn't make the right choices early on or weren't given the right choices early on. I mean, hey, I'm just a stranger, but <laughs> I'd go ahead and encourage you to <laughs> focus on the end of that <laughs> sentence because it does seem like some people were given choices that other people weren't. I mean, we know that in, in this country, yeah. certainly, you know. Um to then be a writer, like that is such a, uh, I think we have all sorts of cultural expectations about what a writer is in terms of highbrow, you know, salons that are uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of like pipes and vests, I don't know, typewriters. So d- did that feel, how does that feel to make that transition? I mean, it still feels a little bit, I think, like I snuck in the back door and, uh, yeah, it's it's very much that feeling still of, you know, sitting on the stairs waiting for an adult to send you back to bed because you're not supposed to be downstairs. Um, and I don't know, the writers I know, though, have been so fucking generous that it doesn't feel like that at the same time. Like I, I don't know, I didn't have an MFA or connections or anything. I made friends on Twitter and, like, you know, Roxanne Gay and Elizabeth McCracken blurred my book. Um, so yeah, that part feels fucking amazing. I didn't, I didn't want to put a happy ending on the book or any of the essays. I fucking hate happy endings, and I'm kind of living one, I guess. Um, it's not the end yet, and I can still fuck it up some more, I'm sure. But. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I I don't know. I had this five-year dumbass plan to be a writer. That's ridiculous. How how do you do that? I didn't know how to do that, and I I fucking did. So that part's pretty cool. Yeah, you did. I mean, the, it's great. The book is great. Um, but also, another part in there is that some of the stuff that you were talking about, specifically about the children of God. It also seemed like there there is uh well the time you were there certainly an embargo about talking about it for like your parents and for when you were actively in yeah um but then afterward um also you were talking about like not really knowing how to come out to people around you or not really knowing how to describe this experience so is it is it also what has it been like to be this public about that part of your life or to move into like, this is just something people know about you now. Like, we've never met. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we. I haven't figured any of that out yet. Um, <laughs> I used to wait, like, three months into a relationship, and then we'd have, like, the really lesbian conversation um, in the dark about, so I lied to you, um, okay, about everything, um, where I actually grew up. And uh, there, it turns out nobody actually... I thought people would judge me for it or think these, you know, that's the fucking shame that they put on you when you're a kid. Um, Yeah. That people would look at me differently and nobody does. None of my friends that I've told that just explains a few things about me and they're like, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, And, but yeah, dating, I have no idea what the fuck to do with that part of it. Like, uh, <laughs> how does it specifically impact dating? The the idea that I mean, and I know you're talking about shame, but like, what is the thing that the person would find out that would impact? Oh, there's just this really deep imbalance of information right now. Anytime I meet someone, like I'm learning your name, and you not specifically, but and they're they already know like about 
my, my childhood, my abortion, um, being homeless, being in jail. There's a huge imbalance of information oh, there, and I, I don't know what, what to saying. do with that. Sure, yes, yeah. yes. And the problem with the cult being a cult is it's a fascinating fucking subject, and everybody wants to ask questions about it. And I'm so fucking sick of talking about it, but also, I just fucking... Writing a book does terrible things to you. We're not supposed to think about ourselves this much. And it turns you I into this weird that. person. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how to have a conversation now is basically the problem. So because, unfortunately, now you're, like, highly Googleable and uh, a lot of infos out there. I'm so sorry to tell you from the future that, like, uh, <laughs> that will never change. <laughs> so, so sorry. <laughs> um because that, yeah, that so is how, odd. How do we navigate this? Let's let's figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I can. T- I yeah, I can talk. <laughs> if you have, I can talk you through what I, what I have done. That would be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that's true is like I never know. Um, walking into it. so like there are people I meet at work, and then I know that those people know what my job is or like things about my life. Maybe you know. Um, yeah. But then there's the other thing of like I meet somebody through uh random whatever it is and uh yeah i mean i have some things that like for instance i mean any any if anybody wants to ask what what do you do for a living is like one of the classic questions it's like where'd you grow up so you can't answer that one so sorry about that for you and then it's also very (laughs) difficult to answer what do you do for a living if the answer is stand-up comic because then it's like oh what's that and then there's like a bunch of questions that are all like pretty um i don't like it's like it's like humiliating for the other person but they don't know it like oh tell me a joke (laughs) you're like oh you can't ask me to tell you a joke that's like that's the that's the worst one you've already done the the worst (laughs) one you know and so yeah i think it's just you know getting used to the idea that like there are some things that that uh might be a little different than other people but not like living in that or loving that because the other thing is if if in in my experience when i've like started to think i was so different or too different then that comes around and um bites you in the ass also because some people are just like we actually don't care about you at all like we just want to know like what (laughs) what kind of dog you have you arrogant (laughs) asshole you know whatever it is um (laughs) so good luck navigating uh this yeah this sounds super fucking fun (laughs) (laughs) be funny yeah yeah Um, be funny yeah classic i go with i go with graphic designer it turns out oh yeah or absolutely nobody has ever had a fucking follow-up question to graphic designer they just go right (laughs) back to whatever they were doing absolutely that's fine they have nothing interesting to ask about that it's been great yeah i i have no idea what the fuck to do with it that was, yeah, I mean, my fucking landlord was asking me for my book, and I don't want him to fucking read this entire book that basically says I'm a shithead. Please don't rent to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the very least, your landlord can buy their own copy. At the very least, that is, yeah. that's, we don't need to put that yeah. in that person's hands. <laughs> I, I don't need any of this to be the first thing people know about me, and it's all going to be the first thing. So that's super fucking exciting. So you're, you are single right now. You're actively dating. I don't. I don't. Okay. How do you, how what? does dating work? What a quest. What? How do we fucking do this? I don't know. Stuff. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of a DM whore, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck you're meeting works. people in your DMs. This is happening. You're not. No. 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 But I'm. You know I mean? I'm. I'll meet them if I've talked to them for a long time. Or if like we're mutuals, yeah. I don't know. We have I have actual friends who know them. Then yeah, sometimes that's that's happened. That and you're going out on like dates with folks. I I don't know that we call it dating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're having different experiences of our DMs. I'm not. I'm not having that experience. But um, uh, I'm. I mean, is that fun? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It hasn't worked out so far, so who knows? It's fun. It's never, 
I mean, it's kind of the great thing about being queer is it's never fucking terrible. It's just sometimes it's eh, and sometimes it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Huh. I, another thing I wanted to ask you about is um, when you're talking, when you're describing being a cable guy, one thing that you're talking about is sort of, you're like essentially at the mercy of the person whose house you're showing up to. And m- maybe that person is going to place you as somebody to sexually harass. Maybe that person is going to place you as a dude um, and just sort of navigating the world that way. Um, and that's something I relate to. Um, you know, I mean, not necessarily from being in people's houses to fix their cable, but, um, in terms of just like not knowing how the world is going to interpret me, like I've felt that way my whole life and I still do. And it's, uh, I find it really stressful. Um, it's not totally clear to me how it, like whether or not that, that particular thing of showing up, I mean, you describe those instances, but it's not necessarily clear, like showing up and not knowing how you're going to be received. Is that, you know, stressful for you or or what's that like for you? How do you navigate that? I mean, yeah, it's incredibly stressful. I mean, it's, I mean, bathrooms are kind of the most obvious example that I think all of us relate to is it's this very basic human function of you have to pee, but you never know what's going to be behind that door. And you never know when you're finished peeing, then you have to kind of hold your breath and scurry out before someone else sees you. Because that's also, anytime you're visible in a public bathroom, you're in danger, really. Um, And yeah, usually it's just a look or whatever. But I think most of us have had some scarier things happen in and around bathrooms. So yeah, it's, it's always stressful. Um, do you correct people when they when they misgender you, or I just leave it? I just because I think it. I'd rather in most point places have people think I'm a man. I just leave it. Well, you know, I usually just leave it because, and I don't know why this is, but it makes me feel nervous and embarrassed. I think the embarrassment is like somehow this is a failure. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I'm still like working yeah. through that. Like somehow I've failed to indicate to this person at the hardware store, like exactly what's going on with me. And also like, maybe they're even like partially right. You know what I mean? Like, it, like in some cases I want to be seen as um, fluid and like, but I think what feels scary about it is that, is this idea that like, what if they realize their mistake and their embarrassment causes something you know like they feel on the back foot and somehow that does something but another thing that's true is that like because we are different sizes um like bathroom stuff definitely happens to me for sure but i also think that people um might think that i'm just like a failed woman more often than anything else because i'm kind of i mean you know there are there are like cis dudes that are my size, but not that many. Um, but I think if you're a different height, I wonder if that affects how people interact with you. I mean, the height is, it, it is a little bit intimidating, I think. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't help the situation much. Um, well, this is the dumb fucking thing about all of those fucking trans bills is Women who are scared of men walking into the bathroom have a valid fear of men walking into the bathroom, but they're not dressing up as girls to do it. And so, yeah, I I am a little bit sympathetic to... I'm sympathetic to women who, like, take a second glance and, like, are a little bit surprised to see me in there and then adjust. Um, it's the people who get mean that can fuck off. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's also... Like the hardware store situation, when you do say something, then you have to spend the next three minutes forgiving them for giving it wrong. And it's just a little exhausting. It's just Absolutely. fucking exhausting. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess that's also, it's like, because usually that's the experience of being served. You know, usually that's like, what, what can yeah. I get for you, sir? And it's like, well, I don't know that ma'am's the answer. You know, I mean, like, I don't know that that's. <laughs> 
what I'm looking <laughs> for. So, I, you know, just like a very like, you know, I don't know, especially now, like yeah. especially wearing face masks. Um, I just, and I have like moved a little bit further um, to like the outskirts of LA, I live like near the mountains. So there, I think where I used to live, people were just like, we understand what's going on here. And now I live in a place people are truly like, what is that? We can like sort of see <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> we have like no idea what else is going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely, it definitely feels safer, I think, for their reason to be in cities. It's always felt a little bit safer. But we're moving out to the suburbs and people are going to have to start getting used to us. Yeah, where where are you living now? Uh, right now I'm in I'm at my brother's house in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Um Oh. Um yeah. I've been bouncing around. I man, the where are you where are you now story hasn't been great. Like every interview starts with that and I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry for about what's about to happen. Um I moved up to Cape Cod because my dog was getting old, so I wanted him to get some walks on the beach. And now I don't know. I'll get back to Austin eventually. Oh, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. And Cape Cod is a great place to go for walks on the beach. Yeah, he liked it. Yeah. So you're you're on Cape Cod and then you're going to go back down to Austin. Does that, how, you can just ramble around like that and it doesn't feel, that's that's something else that that, um, I was wondering about is, I have spent a lot of my life on the road, but I'm like very focused on stability um, these days because I'm actually like kind of tired of that. I, I like really am needing to um, nest, I guess is the right word. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely I've got both constantly at war within me. I I feel like I need to move constantly and I'm desperate for. I mean, yeah, I I would like to buy a farm in Vermont and raise goats and turn it into a fucking lesbian writer's commune. That would be awesome. Um, but right now, what would happen if I moved to Vermont is I would just become a fucking hermit. So <laughs> I'm. <laughs> it would be very sad and depressing. So I'm going to go to Austin because I have a friend group there. It feels a little bit more like home. So for now. Well, I mean, I feel like if you have all those goats, you will have to at least provide them with medical care. And there you go. That's how exactly you keep in the community and not <laughs> a, a hermit lifestyle. <laughs> God, there are some benefits there. Yeah, um, I could do that. It's it. It would be it would be miserable. I don't know. I just put out a book. I want to. You put out a book in a pandemic too, like yes. I would like to do something that feels like being a writer. Um, so yeah, I keep driving around signing books because that's fun and feels real. But everything else has happened on my phone. Yeah, um, it's very disconnected from reality. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yes. If it does feel very <laughs> well, I mean, it, like everything feels really disconnected from reality right now to me. So yeah, it, it's it's it does sort of feel like a fake year and a half almost. Like I've just been living a, I don't know, some like very long play <laughs> or something. Like it just feels <laughs> very like what is this set? Like what character is this person? You know, um, like I get up early these days. I go to bed early. Oh yeah. That who's that? I guy? get up at like eight. I don't oh, know. I get up at Wait, like I six. To... What's this? Jesus person? Christ! That's what I'm saying. I already went for a swim today. Who is this? Do you understand? I don't know who this is. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know who any of us are, and it's great now that we are like in public. <laughs> this is a, a group of like four people talking in New York last weekend because I went down there to sign some books. Only two people just started crying in the middle of it. <laughs> didn't know one another but we're just openly weeping and that's apparently a thing we do now and that's fine um, we're all just a little fucking broken very raw yeah um i don't mind the hugging turns out thought that would bother the shit out of me and i'm like yes fuck yes hug me <laughs> <laughs> let's do it 
Let's get all of our body parts together. I have no idea what the fuck is wrong with all of us, but we're broken in interesting ways now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I yesterday I performed, um, I like hosted this. I hosted a podcast award show. We don't know what anything is. It's 2021. But um, <laughs> there was a 14 person live audience. 14. And that is the largest live audience I have played for in 18 months. And I was like, I, I just kept being like, I am killing. Like, I just like the, the, the energy of this crowd is electric, you know, um, but it really did feel that way. So I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like to be in front of people again. I was very oh, sick God. of stand up before all this. And maybe that has changed. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I'll get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what stand-up looks like after this. I mean, I, I hear that, um, I hear men can't do it anymore. It's just for other, it's just for anybody that identifies as, <laughs> have you heard that? It's a rumor I'm starting today on the podcast. Um, it's a great rumor. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. Well, I love Austin, by the way. And I think there's a cool queer scene down there so maybe i'll maybe i'll see you maybe i'll see you maybe i'll see you definitely doing some doing some jokes down do there it towards. yeah do it also um, texas book festival's back on so oh yeah they just announced that yeah so that is going to be a complete shit show um i plan to puke on the state house lawn <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go that hard at a book festival <laughs> you're going hard <laughs> yes on book yes festival. I, I, we're about to wrap up our time together and I want to just, um, ask you before I send you back into your day, if you would shout out a queero. So I always do this on the show. It's like a queer hero, person, place, or thing made you feel that you could be who you are today. Do you have somebody or something to shout out? I name dropped her once already and why not name drop her twice? Um, Roxanne Gay is turned into like, I don't know, I... I had a whole lot of questions about writing and out of nowhere she she she'll pop in and anytime I get into trouble on Twitter, she's at my DMs telling me it'll be okay. Blurped my book for no reason whatsoever. She's just been kind of my hero for a long time in the writing world because she came out of nowhere too. So yeah. We'll go with that one. Well, I love that one. And we've actually had Roxanne on the show. So for listeners, just go back to that episode and you can continuously loop these um, for the rest <laughs> of your life. Well, thanks, Lauren, for um, for hopping on the call today. And congrats on the release of the book. It's really beautiful. I really, really enjoyed reading it. I read it in like a day and it was, uh, it was a great experience. Congrats. Thank you. Really? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>